If you brought your Bibles with you, I ask you to turn to a letter in the New Testament entitled 1 Thessalonians. We have been studying through this very small letter where the Apostle Paul has written to a church that he helped to get started. He had to leave very rapidly because the persecution was so fierce and his life was at stake, at risk. Now he writes back to this church and gives them some instruction. Now, if you are familiar with the Bible, you'll understand that there are some very specific messages that are given to some very specific churches or some specific peoples, but there are lots and lots of applications to churches today. And we know that the Bible is very up-to-date. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that may seem like they're out of date, but the applications are just tremendous. I'm sad in some ways to culminate or close out preaching through uh, this small little letter. We won't cover everything, obviously, today. We're in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, but we'll move into another subject next week as we have Palm Sunday and then the following Sunday of Easter. And we want you certainly to join us as I'll be giving messages along those lines. We are going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15 for today. I will read the entire remainder part of the chapter, and I would like you to listen carefully or uh, read along with me uh, quietly as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, Lord, we come before you asking you to help us to understand your word. But we want more than just being able to understand it. We want you to empower us as you promised. We want to be able to put it into practice. And Lord, we pray that you would help us and guide us, give us clear minds as we look at the scriptures. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the subject this morning is kind of following somewhat the theme of last week, and that is, how can a church be healthy? We looked at a couple of those issues last week, how important it is for believers to have respect for their spiritual leadership and those who teach and preach the word of God. We looked how important it is to learn to be at peace one with another. 
Now, the admonitions that are given here are obviously very practical admonitions. You and I are called upon to be strengthening our spiritual family, wherever that may be. Now, I recognize that some of you may be part of another ministry, but you and I have that responsibility. I, ask, I want to ask a question, and then we'll comment upon that a little bit. What is the difference between going into a supermarket to shop for food and going to a church to meet the people of God? When you go into a supermarket, why do you go in there? You go in there, my thought is you go in there to buy some food. Now, there may be some other miscellaneous articles you, you purchase in there, but essentially you're going in there to buy some food. If you're hungry, you're probably going to spend more than what you should. On the other hand, let's just look at this. How many of you have actually gone into a supermarket? You're not work, working there. You're not employed there. But when you go in there, the first thing you think is, I wonder if there's somebody who's working here who needs my help. And you look around for an employee, and you go up to them and say, is there something I can help you with? Now, that will be fuddled on them, I'm sure, if you ask that question. But you're not going to be thinking along that line. You say, well, I can't find uh, another employee. Maybe I'll ask and see if there's a manager here. Would you go up to the manager and say, I'm not really looking for a job, but I wonder if there's anything I can do to help you. Have you ever done that? If you ever have done that, you're a very strange person. Right? We don't do that. We go in there to get food. Pull out the plastic card, pull out the cash, you get food. You're going there basically to get something for you or your family. I wonder when it comes to people who are attending churches, whether there's a difference. Are they going into a church to see what, what can I get here? Now, if you come the right week, you might be coming to say, I'm going to get some food. That might be your motivation. But we have to look at being part of the church as radically different, tremendously different from going into a supermarket. Now, if you don't like the illustration of the supermarket, if you're going into a place, an athletic center, where you're trying to get some exercise, why do you go in there? You know, you're, you're not going in there to help your others. You're in there generally, unless you're employed there, you're going in there to get the proper exercise. When it comes to church, we have to see not what's in it for me, but what can I do to help minister to others? And that leads me to this particular thought of how we need to be going in and thinking, how can I help others? Uh, I have on the sheet that some of you have received, a love of the brethren, in other words, a love of Christian, the Christian community, will, I believe, motivate believers to a practice of mutual encouragement. Mutual encouragement. In other words, you're going to be looking at it, how can I help others? It is our Christian obligation to actually become a strength to one another. 
Now, if you want to kind of study this particular area of one another, uh, I would suggest you pick up a little sheet that's on the back table back there. It has a whole list of different Bible verses, how important it is to actually be reaching out. Now, reaching out to other individuals. Indeed, there's a lot of diversity in, in a church. A lot of diversity. I mean, people were just different. A lot of people were different. I, I came across this, and I thought it was rather uh, helpful to understand a little bit about the diversity that's in a church. So listen to this. Within the fellowship of the local church, we find all kinds of people. Many of them are by nature quite incompatible. They would never be found grouped together anywhere else. In the fellowship of the church, uh, sometimes there's doctors, sometimes there's lawyers, professionals, rub shoulders with plumbers, clerks, and shop hands. Cultures, socialites sit down with farmers and fishermen. People of opposite temperament seek to work together for the cause of Christ. Converted thieves, harlots, and drug addicts fellowship with saved housewives, policemen, and athletes. Rich and poor make common cause. Young and old, wise and foolish, and gifted and special needs people are all thrown together and united by the mystical bonds of Christ. Not is this just a casual, nor is this just a casual association of people brought together temporarily by some uh, chain of circumstances. We are bound together by common, by common faith, the blood of Christ, the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit. We are members of Christ's body and members one of another. With so many and varied natural differences, and with each person at a different stage of spiritual development, no wonder Paul calls for believers to work together. Now, I don't know if you've thought about that in the past, about how diverse it is, but we're talking about every church, small or large, has a great variety of people. They don't have just one set of skills. As we think about this, uh, these... These, this particular situation of churches is, is not something that's bad. It's something that can be a real asset and help as long as we reach out to one another and care about one another. And I think and I would trust that you want to walk to please God in this particular area. So what we want you to leave with today is I, it's, if I can put it on a personal thing, I want to be a strength to my fellow believers. And the question I think appropriately can be asked, well, how should we do this? The verses, the two verses that we're focusing our attention upon help us to understand. These are obligations that God gives to us. First of all, we're called upon to warn believers who step out of line. Now, I'm not quite sure if you remember what was said there, but it says in verse 14, Now we exhort and encourage you, brethren, speaking to the Christians, warn them that are unruly. The word that is used here is the word disorderly. And it has the idea and was used of a soldier who didn't keep the ranks. Either he uh, fell behind or he went ahead of the group. 
So that was the word that was used. It had the idea of out of order, out of place. This can happen in every single church where there are some individuals who don't really line up with what God wants. They may have started out that way, but they either jump ahead of what God wants or fall behind what God wants. And sometimes with no intention of wrongdoing, individuals sometimes get out of line. And it's possible, if we understand some of the passage of Scripture, it's possible that some of the Thessalonians were neglecting their daily duties and were becoming idle and careless in their spiritual walk. Now, I'm going to back up just a little bit. For those of you who are here, you remember that one of the issues was, when is the Lord going to come? And there were those who were kind of getting mixed up about this, and they were listening to wrong things, and someone thought, the Lord's going to come right away. So they apparently gave up their jobs, and they had become idle. I guess we could call they were kind of loafers. So some of the background of First and Thessalonians conveys the idea that some people were kind of like entitlement mindset. And so we could say they were disorderly. They were falling out of line. That's not the only way in which a person can fall out of line. I just wrote down something else. This might be unfaithful to the work of God. Perhaps somebody might fall out of line by having a bad attitude, being a complainer, a gossiper, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's various ways in which people can step out of line. Step out of line. Now, we're not parking on all these different possibilities, but what I want you to see is if you as a believer in a congregation see somebody who's not doing what is right, and it's fairly clear they're not doing what is right, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to, in a kind, gracious way, help them so they get back in line again. Now, please understand, I am not inviting you to become like a Pharisee. I'm not inviting you to become like the KGB, if you understand some of the history behind that. I do believe that God wants us to help, and I know this is difficult. Because the difficulty sometimes is people think that's the pastor's responsibility. Indeed, the pastor may have some issues that he has to deal with. But this is not being addressed specifically to the spiritual leadership about warning those who are disorderly. This is addressed to believers who see somebody who's stepping out of line. Um, I'm going to give for an example of this happening. I had a young lady who was working, who I knew was a member of the church. She was working at a uh, particular diner restaurant and she was there on a very regular basis, and she was very troubled because there was a member of the same church who was there, who had, was not working there, but was eating there. And she regularly heard this person using some very foul language and thought, there's something not right there. They're a member of the church. What do I do? Now, I think it was the appropriate thing for this young lady to come and talk to me about and try to figure out what to do. I told her that what she needed to do 
is she needed to talk alone to this particular person and say, I heard you using some cuss words, swear words, and things like this, and I just don't feel as though this is, you know, what God wants. Now, I don't know exactly the end of that particular situation, but you can imagine how that would be really, really difficult. You may have somebody who's just not saying things that's going to help the peace of the church. You hear it, you feel uncomfortable about it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you know what God says you're supposed to do? You're supposed to warn them. That basically idea is to admonish them. Now, these are not believers who simply had a different kind of personality or were peculiar. And there are a few Christians who have a different kind of personality who are peculiar. There's probably too many of those, but nevertheless, this was somebody who definitely stepped out of line with what God wanted with their Christian duties. The specific instruction was to admonish them. Believers are asked to do their part, to do their duty, by first of all, listen to this, by setting a good example yourself. Now, you don't want to be going around trying to take the moat, a little speck of sawdust at a, uh, you know, somebody else's eye when you've got a telephone pole sticking to your own eye. So we're talking about you want to make sure you have a good example, you have, you're living a good example yourself. But then the methodology or the demeanor should be to kindly approach them, and I might say alone, and express your concern to them. Now, it could be there may be a misunderstanding, but I'm going to tell you Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, you might want to jot this down, is a verse to really have in your mind very clearly. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, you don't, you're not familiar with that verse of Scripture. I, I'd encourage you to do this. You're going to them with humility, recognizing you could have slip somewhere, and you're going to them kindly, trying to nudge them back into the pathway again. So, the flip side of this, if for some reason you have somebody come up to you and approach you and say, could I talk to you about something? I have a little bit of difficulty. Don't get offended about that. Be glad they're concerned about it. A number of years ago, a lady uh, said, Pastor, I, gotta I have to talk to you about something. I I'm really upset about something. Okay. So she approached me about it and she said, Pastor, uh, you really let me down. And, and she said, you promised me about something and I made a promise and I had really, I've forgotten about it. But she said, from her standpoint, she felt as though I didn't tell her the truth. It was kind of one of those, I had one of those senior moments when I was 40 some years old. But I forgot about it. But indeed, I had promised her. She reminded me about it. And, oh, yeah, I did. And you know how it is, out of sight, out of mind type thing. And we, what really helped was she came alone with me to me. She talked to me in a very right spirit, recognizing 
I recognized what the problem was, asked her to forgive me, and the fellowship was restored. I'm going to say this. If you do have somebody approach you about something, don't, don't go up the myth tree. Don't be so thin-skinned about this. Just thank them for it and try to get the problem resolved. So, I'm going to ask you a question. Some of you have known the Lord for a long period of time. And you're very glad that God has saved you. Have you ever had a situation where you've seen another believer, you know them very well, where they have stepped out of line, where they have said something that was not appropriate, and maybe it's, you see it as a pattern in life, and you have gone to them alone and talked to them about it? Have you ever done that? Now, I'm not thinking that you're going to have to do this on a weekly basis. Hopefully, you're not going to have to do this on a weekly basis. I'm just saying, if the situation comes and you know what God's word says, you help them get back in line again. And so, do you care enough to confront people? I've heard this said so many times when I've tried to approach people about this subject. They say, you know, I have a problem with somebody, you know, such and such, you know, what do I do? Uh, and, you know, and I tell them, you need to go and talk to them. I just couldn't do that. It's not a matter you can't do it. It's just either you don't understand what God says about it or you refuse to obey God. The way we help each other is when you see something who is not doing what's right, you kind of bring him back in line again. Whoa, I don't deserve it. I don't, don't think that way. Just, just know, ask God the guys. All right, now let's move on to something that's maybe a little bit more positive. Encourage the faint-hearted. Now, some of your scriptures say here, comfort the feeble-minded. Do you know anybody is, is feeble-minded? Well, this is an old word here, and it's not what you may think it is on the surface. This is not somebody whose mental faculties are impaired. It, the word here is, speaks of those who are easily discouraged or literally small-souled. Uh, they they just get very discouraged, perhaps because of a person's emotional nature. Maybe they have struggles with gaining victory in their life, hardships that are being experienced. And all of us have met people who are probably in this category where it seems like they just have a struggle going on. Uh, I certainly am reminded of how this has come into a very practical world of the Ukrainians who have, because of the war situation, have been very discouraged. Their families were split apart, churches, they, and there have been people who have been very sacrificial, who've gone out into these communities, very dangerous communities, but they've gone out and they've encouraged the people of God. The idea here is, in a practical way, to cheer up people who are like this. Uh, with encouraging words. Uh, you may say, say things like this. With God's help, you can do it. God can help you. Even when we fall, he's still there and he will forgive us. The Lord will never let you down. And we give maybe some promises of God to them. You come alongside of them. Just the very power of your presence, not that you have power in of yourself, but just your presence can be an encouragement to people who are easily discouraged. Perhaps they're 
short on confidence, uh, maybe their courage is lost or their focus is off. We're not talking about individuals who have really stepped out of line, per se, but they need somebody to come along and to help them. And God calls us to encourage people who may be discouraged. I have met so many people who have gone through tremendous discouragement. And in some cases, the reason why they're discouraged is because they haven't been around the people of God the way they should, or they haven't been in the Word the way they should. There may be various and sundry reasons, and we may not be able to figure all that out, but we're called upon to go and encourage somebody. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you met any other Christians who have gone through tough times, who have been discouraged, and really just feel like they need some help? I, I would think if you are around anybody at all, any Christians at all, you're going to probably find some people in this category. What are you going to do? Well, there are all different ways in which you can help them. But you find a way in which you can encourage them. Not, not, I'm not diminishing the importance of praying for them. Indeed, you can do that. But you can share Bible verses with them. You might be able to just pull them aside and actually pray with them various and sundry ways. So, we're talking about strengthening your fellow believers. Somebody falls out of line, you try to nudge them back in the line again. If somebody is discouraged, you go alongside them and try to encourage them. And then notice this, support the weak. Now this is somewhat close, but a little bit different than the previous point that I made. These are believers who are without strength. And they may not necessarily physical strength, but they may have some uh, financial limitations, maybe even some, uh, some difficulties in their, uh, in their personal spiritual life. They could be baby Christians. They may lack courage to trust in God. They may lack self-discipline for Christian living. And we're called upon to hold them up. To hold them up. Literally, the idea is like putting your arm under them to hold someone up. Some of you know, uh, some time ago I mentioned about my older sister who lives in Florida. And my older sister's had some very serious health problems over this last year. To a point where, though she drove before, she, she's not driving now, she's given that up. And she can't live at the place where she's at uh, any longer. So I've been interacting with her son who lives up in Michigan. And uh, we're talking about uh, how she needs some help. Initially, we didn't realize how much it was, but now we're looking. And we've just made a decision about having her go to assisted care living place because of the needs. And I got thinking about this. Well, even though a year and a half ago, she was driving a car, she'd fly up to Michigan, fly up to Pennsylvania, things like this. She can't do that any longer. She needs some help. I thought, my... My nephew, he, he only has a limited amount of time. He lives in Michigan, limited time, and he's helping a great deal. She's going to need somebody to accompany her, accompany her. So we talked about it, and I said to my sister, Jane, I said, how about if I fly up there with you? I'll drive down to Florida. We're going to be in South Carolina for a while. I'm going to drive down to Florida. I'll meet you there. We'll get some tickets, and I'll fly up with you 
to Michigan, get you, situa get you situated in an assisted care living place, and then, of course, I'll fly back. Now, I never really expected that I have to do this with my sister. I, I just didn't, because she was so independent. But that's an example of sometimes we help people who just need some help. Uh, because she can't walk long distances at all, uh, and climbing steps is almost impossible for her, I'm gonna be making sure as best as I can that she's not gonna fall or stumble. Now, taking that illustration and putting into another realm, not just helping people physically, but helping people who are weak spiritually, we're called upon to support them, to hold them up, just like putting your arm, walking alongside of them, assuring these individuals that you're there, holding them up in prayer, available to help in time of need. Again, I, I, I'm, I realize there's pastoral responsibilities, pastors have this, but I want you to move into the realm of you helping the body of believers. If you know somebody who needs some help, they're going through a difficult time, they're without strength. Maybe they're grieving and a situa situation has come out. You will go along and help them be their support. Now, it might be just a temporary thing. It might be just until they get their strength back again. But whatever it is, support the people who are weak. So, we're talking about strengthening one another. Somebody goes out of line, you try to help them. Somebody who's faint-hearted, they get discouraged. Or somebody who's weak, for one reason or other, you go alongside them, help them. And then, kind of wrapping this up a little bit, and we don't lose sight of the importance of this, notice the last part in verse uh, 14. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Exercise Patience toward all. This is word, here's the word long-suffering. I guess we, we would think that we don't have to be long-suffering with Christians because they're perfect. Well, we know better than that. Uh, there are times when believers just don't always measure up to our standards and we can become... Uh, shall we say, um, impatient with them. And that's not what God wants us to have. It's very easy for us to allow a bad spirit to come. Uh, someone said this regarding retaliation. One of the strongest impulses of the fallen human nature is retaliation. No vice is more certainly regarded as a virtue among men than is retaliation. Prohibition against it is distinctly Christian. Now think about that. In the culture of the New Testament times, it was a common practice and almost set up as a virtue that you retaliate against somebody that did you wrong. But a whole new concept comes into the Christian culture and it's like, no longer don't you ever in any way retaliate against somebody who's done you wrong. No one is to be vengeful to others. There is, uh, there is a very specific prohibition 
by our Lord. If you read Matthew chapter 5, this is, this is clear that Jesus does not want us to render evil to somebody else. The apostles spoke about this. The apostle Paul spoke about it. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 21. Peter spoke about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Here, if you've grown up in a home in an environment where you just give somebody a piece of your mind, I always say, be careful about giving somebody a piece of your mind. You may not be able to afford to give it, give it away. You know? <laughs> but, well, I'm just going to tell what I think. Well, I'm just going to let it out. I'm just going to, I'm just don't, you know, I'm not holding it out. I'm just telling the truth. If it's a bad spirit and it's a vengeful thing, you are disobeying God. God does not want you to. It's the prohibition. This prohibition is one of the sternest tests of Christian character. So is it any wonder he, he explains it a little clearer. Now, it's not just not being retaliatory. He says, always follow that which is good, whether it's with believers or even unbelievers. Now, you do remember, for those of you who have been studying along with us, that the church of Thessalonica was born in the midst of a lot of problems and persecution was pretty strong here. And so it's possible that some of the believers, though they may have not had any problem with other believers, they needed to be very, they needed to be a very good testimony to unbelievers and, and to set example in this area. So what we have is the responsibility of being patient or long-suffering to everyone, surely the believers who are working with on a regular basis, but even extends out beyond that to even unbelievers. You say, well, I, I really want to please God with my life. I want to help to strengthen the body of believers. I want the body of believers to be healthy. Then part of God's instructions, and it's not all inclusive, are to make sure you are doing your part. You're helping. If you see somebody's kind of falling by the wayside, neglecting their responsibilities or whatever, you nudge, nudge them back. If it's a matter of you seeing somebody who's faint-hearted, discouraged, you try to encourage them. You see somebody who's weak, you go alongside them, you hold them up. And all this is like you don't lose your patience. You just are long-suffering. Aren't you glad God's long-suffering with you? I mean, he is so patient. He's so forgiving. And the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Uh, no question about it. That's how God wants us to interact with others. So what can you to strengthen? What can you do to strengthen another brother or sister in Christ? I mean, is there something that you can do that would help? You see, God has not called us to have a mindset like going into a supermarket and just seeing what's in it for us. God has called us to go into an environment that is more like a hospital or more like a rehab center. And we are called upon not just to have professionals do it, we are called upon all of us together to help. Have you thought about a church as being like a hospital? Have you thought about being a volunteer in the hospital? Have you thought about being a volunteer in assisted care, living place, or whatever? You say, well, not, no, that's not my profession. In the church, in essence, even though it's not 
your profession, it is your profession, to go around and help. Who can I help? So as you're entering the doors of Victory Baptist Church or another church, your mindset and my mindset is, should be, who can I minister to? Who can I help? Is there somebody I can reach out to and encourage? Lord, you lead me, you guide me. Now, it may be that particular week that you come, as you're interacting with somebody, it's everybody you interact with is, you know, they had a perfect week. And, you know, they say, when you ask them how you're doing, they say, just great. This was a wonderful week. And you go to the next person and, you know, they say, man, this is the best week I've had in 2023. And then you go to the next one and they say the same thing. Man, what's happening to me? I don't have a life like that. You're going to, and I say that obviously facetiously, but you're inevitably going to go to somebody and they're, you say, how you doing? Well, I'm still alive. Or you're going to go to somebody and say, I'm still breathing. Somebody else is going to say, I barely made it through this week. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, I'm going to pray for you, brother, and just go on. I'm going to pray for you, just go on. Maybe you'll be able to say something even more than that. Well, how about if I, how about if I, no, I may be time right here, but how about I call you this week? You ever see somebody missing for a while at Victory Baptist Church? You haven't seen it for a while, but they were it. Call them up. Maybe, maybe they, the timing you call them will just the time they need somebody to call them. This is an unfortunate situation, I realize, in Christendom. We get so busy with our own agenda that we don't even think about others. I've referred once in a while to a place called Shady Maple. Many of you know about Shady Maple, that's smorgasbord out in Lancaster. And I know we're not ready for eating food yet, but just bear with me. I, I don't know, I picked this up maybe more specifically when I went, I don't know, sometime last year. As you're going into the food, and they have trays and trays of every kind of food you can think. I went in there, I mean, there's like maybe a couple hundred people in there. I didn't see one person look at me when I was going to food. I didn't see, not one person says hi or anything like that. Everybody's smiling, but they're smiling at the food. It seemed like everybody's just focused on the food. Instead of just a nice hello, nice to have you, none of that. The whole focus is on what am I going to get? And I hope I can get a whole lot in because it's pretty expensive here, unless it's your birthday, of course, and you get free. Now, I'm using that as an illustration. But there are too many Christians who are entering into what I consider Bible-believing churches who almost have that mindset. They come in, they go out, they don't interact with anybody, they don't know what other people's needs are, and all they're in it, all that they're in it for is what can I get for me? I'm going to, with God's help, try to nudge Victory Baptist Church to get out of that mindset. I'm going in the supermarket and let's see what kind of food I can get. I'm going to Shady Maple and I sure hope I get you know, my favorite food. I want you to move out of that realm when you're coming to a church. You say, what can I do to help the people of God? How can I minister to somebody? How can I build somebody 
else up? How can I maybe just be sensitive about the need of somebody else who's sitting there all by themselves and nobody's talking to them? Now, you say, you're getting kind of worked up about it. I'm not even, I'm not even nearly worked up about it as much as I should be. Because I have watched people come and nobody, nobody says boo to them. And think of what? How would they ever want to come back? Because nobody said anything to them. Now, I must say, and I'm going to say, Victory Baptist Church is really moving in the right direction in that area. And it thrills my heart that people aren't just coming in, let's see what I can get out of this, and then run out. That might be the way it is in some churches, but Victory Baptist Church should not be that way. We are a support group. We're called upon to support and help each other. And it's going to mean putting self down, and my agenda is my friend here, and I hope I can talk to them because they're my friend. And they're, you know, Let's get out of that mindset. That's worldly mindset. It should be a matter of I will selflessly serve others. And when you move into that realm you will find the words of Jesus are very true. You know what? One of the words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God has a wonderful way of turning it around. And while you are not maybe intending on getting this, when you reach out to somebody else and you try to encourage them, God has a way of making you feel like, I did the right thing to please the Lord, and you give the credit back to the Lord. May God help every single one of us to have a mindset of how can I strengthen my fellow believer. Let's do it, right? Let's obey the Lord in this. Let's commit or recommit ourselves to this area. If there's a weakness in your area, in this area in your life, ask God to forgive you and step out of the comfort zone and reach out to others. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for. These reminders, Lord, to uh, be a strength to one another. You called us to be servants, and we thank you, dear God, that you'd help. You, you have set the example of being a servant, and you want us to minister to others and to reach out to them. There are people here, undoubtedly, some people here are going through some valleys right now. Undoubtedly, some people are going through a crisis situation, important decisions, transitions, and they need help. They need just a word of encouragement, prayer, support. Please, dear God, help us to reach out to them. Lord, give us discerning of hearts and minds about this. Help us to be wise in what we say. Uh, Lord, uh, we need your spirit to direct us, and may you bring to our hearts and minds perhaps some promises that we can encourage others with. Lord, we now want to surrender ourselves to you in this area. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed just for a moment. This is a, a personal time, and we're not